Hello, this is Bayo Fadjuba. We're so excited that you are joining us today. If you're a part of our DCH family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you. Please find us on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, or you can even join us on our website at www.dch.church. We can also get you plugged in via the Church Center app where you can find our connect groups, upcoming events, as well as given options if you would like to help us spread the gospel of Jesus everywhere. I hope this word today blesses you, encourages you, and inspires you to greatness. Let's get started. Good morning, DCH. Okay, so my name is Mole Ladipo, and this is my husband, Anthony Ladipo. We are not here to play a movie today, <laughs> um, but we have some questions from mentee last week that we didn't address, so we are here to collect those questions and hopefully address them, and um, do you have something to say? Yeah, so last week we discussed marital abuse, right, and... Throughout the discussion, there were quite a few personal questions that came in through Mentee that people felt were not maybe directly addressed uh, during last week's session. So today, the, the nature of the questions will be more targeted towards our panelists that we have up here. Um, from reviewing the questions, what I can say is it's evident that there's, there's a lot of people that are having you know, some struggles related to their relationships. And like we said last week, right, church is supposed to be almost like a hospital where you can come and get get support, right? So uh, that's the purpose of this. Um, in terms of the questions, just on a very high level, I think there were three themes that came out, at least to me. One was, you know, is what I'm going through, can that be under the category of abuse, right? So w when we say the word abuse, it's often associated with physical abuse, but you know, is infidelity a form of abuse? Is finances lying? Is that a form of abuse? So there are a lot of questions where I think maybe people are going through things and they were checking to say, okay, is what I'm going through a form of abuse? The second overall theme that we saw was what should I do about it? And something that Pastor mentioned even before we, we come up here is that we, we don't want a scenario where, you know, especially when pain builds up over time, right? One comment on here can just drive say an individual to say, you know what, I'm done with this. Or, we want to be pragmatic about this. I mean, except if it's, uh, there's a life or de death situation, right? It's important that we maybe attempt to speak to the pastors and just get uh, that, that feedback so that we can have all the information before we, we do anything rash, right? We don't want to make long-term decision based on something short-term that we just feel in the moment. So let's just keep that in mind as we have this, these conversations with um, up here, right? So people don't we just don't want anything extreme, I guess, long story short. So let's just take that into account. And then the third theme that we saw was just, we, we villainize the abusers, right? In the conversations on a high level, we have these abusers and then we have the abused. But just also thinking in terms of, it, it's not always, you know, sometimes background and many things can play a role in why people behave the way they behave, right? So just also, what do we do about that as well? Because majority of our conversation revolved around, okay, the abuse, right, and what the abuse should do, but how do we also help the abusers, you know what I mean, and, and where do they find support as well? Yeah. So those were the three themes, and that's what we'll be discussing today, right, and there are various questions, and, and they're all unique. One other thing I'll say is that in 40 minutes, are we going to be able to resolve 
all, all of these issues, no. no, right? These things is over a lifetime that some people are dealing with this, but at least at the end, I'm hoping we'll be able to point generally in the right direction that we can go so that ultimately we'll get to a positive conclusion, right? So, And we do have um, mentee. Mentee will be put up too. Um, so if you have questions, please put them up there and um, we'll try our best to answer all of the questions. Like we said, we don't have that much time. Um, but we will try to address everyone's questions today. So we'll be bringing the panelists up. Um, I believe the first people is um, Pastor and Pastor Mrs. Ayo Ogunye. And we'll be bringing Pastor Shegun and um, Mrs. Dupe Kutei. And also Minister Michael and um, Mrs. Abigail Afote. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So, one of the questions that I got. And um, so we will try to keep to time today. Um, so I'm hoping that we will stay within, you know, one minute. And um, we'll try not to repeat questions with, the, um, with our panelists. So if I ask you one question, then I'll go to the next person to ask another question so we can manage time in that regard. And um, so one of the questions that I saw that I thought that we really need to talk about is... Um, on the issue of what is, you know, what is abuse, you know, but this couple, I think this lady wrote a, a, a question last week and say, what do you call a situation where the husband forcibly have sex with his wife? So I don't know who among you want to answer that question. And is it, is it in a form of abuse? Is it, is it not abuse? I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question myself. <laughs> Well, I can give it a try. There's no point missing words. That's abuse. And what you really should wonder is what God has designed for the couple to enjoy. How did it all of a sudden become something that one party is forcing the other to, to do? So it's abuse straight, straight on. But then there's need for us to get to the root of the matter. Why should the two of them not just enjoy it? And why should one party force, in this case, the man forcing his way on the wife? So I guess that answers the question. It's abuse, pure and simple. And let me ask another question to anybody that wants to take it, because someone also asked almost the inverse question in the sense that if somebody's denying the other party's sex, then is that a form of abuse? Okay. <laughs> Easily. Again, don't let's miss words. It's a form of abuse. Yeah. Again, it comes down to what God has designed for the two of them to enjoy. Why would one party deny the other and the other one force himself on the other? So there is need to dig further into it. We shouldn't just look at it on the surface. There's something going on that needs to be investigated. Ah, okay, sorry. Right. All right. Thank you. And I just wanted to add, just as we're speaking, I'm sure some people will be thinking it's just a woman denying the husband. The husband can also deny the woman. And there have been examples of that before. I, I remember some time back, a case happened. And it was the husband saying, I want to pray. 
I'm giving to prayer. And the lady kept, you know, talking about this, that it was getting out of hand. And I think um, it was resolved. But I just wanted to point it out that it's possible that it could be on either side. So we are aware of that. And we look out for those red flags and resolve issues as they come up. But yes, it's possible for the man to deny. And it's possible for the woman to deny. And that, to me, is abuse. Praise the Lord. So, so in those situations, then, what do we do? Because as a, as a, as a child of God... <laughs> Okay. So, I don't know how to get to it. Well, again, like I said, it depends on this, uh, on what's leading to that. So I'll give an example, something I read over 20-something years ago. There was this woman of God who had this ministry, excuse me, about uh, couples. And so someone shared a testimony on the blog. Then it wasn't all this online thing. It was just in the newspaper, a Sunday newspaper. So the woman shared that she had been married to this man for a while. And they loved each other. They were both Christians. And they got into an argument uh, sometime in the course of their marriage. And before she knew it, the man slapped her. And they were both shocked. Because it was something they never would have anticipated in their marriage. They were so close, so much in love. But the argument was, and she probably didn't even elaborate on, the, on what caused the argument. But it was, <clears throat> it was something so little but the way the man reacted, the man just slapped her. And they were both shocked, and the man kept begging that, wow, so I could do this. He started begging the wife, and the wife was also shocked. So she said, well, I'll, I'll think about it. And the wife knew that the man loved to get intimate with his wife, and she said, well, I will show you, so you can slap me. This is how I'm going to get back at you. So she started denying the man, and the man kept begging. And she wrote that she wasn't sure whether he was begging so that they could restore the intimacy or he was begging because he was truly sorry. So she said, well, I will use this to deal with you and I'll prolong it. I'll let it last for so long that when you realize what you missed during that period, if anything ever came to your mind around slapping again, you will think twice. So the man would go to work, come back, beg. The woman said, well, okay. But can we uh, sleep together? The woman would say no. So after a while, she noticed that the man would stay longer in the bathroom, apparently masturbating. And the, he would come back with a solemn face. The woman would say, yes, I think this is getting to him. So after a while, a couple of weeks, it took a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, she then realized that the man was no longer looking solemn. It was all smiles. He would come into the house, greet her very well with a peck would not even bother about the argument and denial of sex. And she became worried. I thought I was using this thing to get to the man. So she started following up on the man to find out what was going on. Before she knew it, she discovered that the man was having an affair in the office. A Christian. This was something the man would never have done. But she pushed the man to that point. And then ultimately, unfortunately, the woman got pregnant. When they were trying to resolve the issue, the, the other woman refused to terminate the pregnancy. Of course, they were trying to push her to do She was trying to prevail. Eventually, the woman actually, the other woman wanted to marry the man to become his second wife, which was legally impossible. But eventually, the child was born, was brought into their family. So she was writing that Praise with God. regret. That when she responded in a in an appropriate way to something that happened or because she wasn't willing to forgive. She saw the weakness in the man, exploited the weakness. She never prayed in her life that she would have 
and well, I shouldn't say legitimate child because it was a child of the husband, but an external child in our marriage. So she wrote that just to encourage other people that please beware. And I just wanted to share mm -hmm. that to say that there could be consequences mm -hmm. if we abuse either way. This one was an example from the woman's side, but it could also be from the man's side. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. So before we continue, I just want us to put the mentee code up again so people can actually make use of it. Um, please ask questions on mentee and um, we'll try our best again to be able to get everybody's uh, you know, answer and everything. So. Okay. And based on the story you said, and I'm asking everyone if you have a response, you guys have a response as well. There's, you said you know, the man slapped her and it was something he had never done before. Um, so somebody asked the question that is it considered abusive? It's not intentional. So in a scenario where say things get heated or something like that happens, you know, or somebody's verbally hurting the person, can somebody make the case that they are not intentionally doing it? So is there no scenario where it's unintentional? So I think that's just one of the excuses. When you say I did not intend to do it, you slap somebody, you shove somebody, you push somebody, you cut somebody out. You play with somebody's emotions, you rub people up and down, it is abuse, whether it's intentional or not, or whether you, tend to, you wanted to do it or not. And usually that's what happened. I had the opportunity to actually, when I was in grad school, do an internship in the shelter for abused women. Until you leave and associate with these women, you probably wouldn't even get an understanding. And then even here, I volunteer with the Fort Bend County Women's Shelter. You have to get into the minds of these people and hear what they tell you to see how it is. When people start telling you things like, oh, he didn't mean it, then they begin to make excuses for the person like, oh, he didn't mean to do it, or she didn't mean to do it, or uh, it was just a mistake, or they've never done it before, so it's their first time. So this is a learned behavior. He was there, he just never came out. That, that probably just the first time he came out. So for me, I would say that, um, it's not that it was intentional. You slapped the person, and if you do it often enough, and I'm even thinking that maybe something led up to the slap, maybe the verbal abuse and all that. You know, it's like this way they say you build up to sex. You build up to the heating, too. You build up, you get to that. I think, in my opinion, it's um, abuse. Okay, thank you for that. I have to read this one because it's, it's a tough one. But, uh, so... What well, this is, my spouse constantly cheats and blames me for his behavior, and I'm dying in silence. I, is this a form of abuse, and what should they do? So that was a... a oh, you didn't hear it. Sorry, I apologize. It's, my spouse constantly cheats and blames me for his behavior, and I'm dying in silence. Is this a form of abuse, and what should they do about it? Yeah, someone cheats and blames you. Well... He's responsible for his actions, but you don't know what is happening in that marriage. Um, everything has a root. You know, as, as they said, that in some marriages, it's not always the women. Sometimes it's the men. But what is your approach to sex in the marriage? What do you do to your husband that makes him cheat? He's not blaming you. Okay, he blames, the man blames you, but okay, have you also looked at have you asked yourself, have I really done anything to push him? Maybe the man is not a Christian. We all come to church. We think we are Christian, but some of us are not. We are just churchgoers. Maybe you are a Christian and you married an unbeliever, or you, he just, I don't know how 
the person, if the person is a matured Christian or is a baby Christian. But let's put that aside. Everybody is to blame. If the man is putting it on you, have you communicated? Sit down and discuss it. What is the root? What am I doing that is making you blame me for your actions? Because maybe you don't give him the skills that he wants. Have you discussed the skills in, in, in sex? Have you changed? You know, there's a lot. Sometimes your looks puts the man off. There's a lot of things that will cause it. Some men don't talk. They, they, you, I don't know. So because we don't know the roots, that's what I'm saying. Because we don't know the roots, you cannot, you know, uh, blame the woman. But if the man says you are the cause, ask him and let him tell you what, what you have done to make him cheat. I see. But sorry, but would, would anything justify... You know, him, him do, because uh, the only reason I'm saying this is because the way you, you framed it, it sounds like, you know, there's justification for him doing it if, which, which You cannot justify strange. that. He's not supposed to do that in the first place. But you are the same, you are the one who can help him. And he's told you, you are the one who is making him cheat or he's blaming you. So sit down and discuss it. I don't know if they have had a discussion but if they've had a discussion and it's not working, they need a counselor, they need a pastor to help them resolve this. So I just want to add to that. So cheating doesn't happen in one day. Cheating is something in the heart. So a person that wants to cheat, already they've, they, they've already been imagining it, thinking it. Maybe they've even been working it out in their head how it's going to work. And that's another way that whether it's the woman or the man, that's another way to make the woman or the man feel guilty. You are the reason I'm cheating, so take it and deal with it. Or you are the reason why I did it because you are not giving me the right moves or you're not giving me the right uh, ways to do it or whatever. So those are all excuses. It's in the heart. So we should look at it as it didn't happen in one day. I mean, the whole time you were thinking about the person where you would get it done and all that, you could have used that time to communicate and say, look, I, I have needs, and my needs are not being met. And, you know, I, how do we do this? How do we do it? But not as an option of, if you don't do this, then this is what I'm going to do. That keeps the man, or the woman for that matter, still in an abusive state. Yes, no, I completely agree. Um, if I can add quickly to that, let's oh. bear in mind that men... Right from the onset, men have always looked out for excuses. When God came to Adam in the garden, said, <laughs> what, did the, what did the man, the woman you gave me was, so all these excuses, you are the reason why it's all excuses. There's no justification, there is no tenable excuse. The man should take ownership and deal with the issue. All right, so I'll just uh, read uh, this uh, scripture first. Corinthians chapter 7, and, uh, the verse 3 and 4. So when you are single, you know your body belongs to you. You can do whatever you want. When you get married, your body does not belong to you any longer. The Bible says in the book, <laughs> the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 3, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. Look at the verse 4. The Bible says, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. 
In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Amen? And so uh, you will have to understand that once you get married, your body belongs to the, the husband's body belongs to the wife, the wife's body belongs to the husband. Now, there could be certain circumstances that could maybe prevent one person from engaging in sex, and that could be probably health reasons. Uh, maybe she comes back tired, having back pain. You need to understand, and that is where communication comes in. You know, I call something the CCF of marriage, communication, compromise, and forgiveness. You have to be able to communicate with your spouse, trying to explain why you cannot have something or uh, have sex that day. But if you read that same scripture, if you go further down, the Bible says, do not stay apart from each other for too long. Because if you do that, the enemy will find its place into your marriage. Amen. Amen. So Amen. You, you will need to have to you need to have that balance between, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, staying away from it for a short period of time. But you need to understand that your body belongs to your husband. That also belongs to the wife. But you need to Praise work together, God. love each other. And if you love each other and the husband or the wife says, I'm tired, you will understand. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. So we're going to move on to the other section. Um, so this section is what do you do, right? Um, so is it biblical to divorce on the basis of adultery? I know divorce is one of those cancer words, you know, in church that we really do, we try to stay away from. But the question says, is it biblical to divorce on the basis of adultery? Um, how do we ask that? Well, right. so it's, I, and I th I'll, it's easy for me to say yes or no, but I want to put things in context. Uh, and it's all because of the way Christ answered the question when they came to him. Because Moses told them, well, if the woman, if you don't like the woman, again, just write a letter of divorce and send the woman away. When Jesus was going to respond, he said that except in cases of, let me just use infidelity and faithfulness, no man should divorce his wife. But Christ qualified it by describing it as putting her away. And he even said that any man that then goes ahead to marry a woman that is put away has committed adultery. Christ was putting things in context because he, he, he recognized the fact that it's a tough thing for couples to stay together after infidelity. So he acknowledged the need for separation. But he always uh, retained the need for them to work it out. And I say this because if you look at it in the scriptures... God himself had issues with the nation of Israel, the Jews. He considered the nation of Israel his bride. And every now and then, they were unfaithful to him. And God will separate himself from the nation of Israel. But he will still come back to them. For us as Christians, that's one of the most difficult things for us to do even as men. You know when the Bible says men should love their wives the same way Christ loved the church. He came to die for us when we did not qualify for salvation. And even when he came, we were even very brutal against him. Yet he still went to the cross and he died. And you are looking at an, an undeserving set of people who collectively formed his bride. 
that he still went out of his way to reconcile himself to them. So every time God looks at marriage, he looks at himself and those he calls his bride. Every time they stray away, polluting themselves, being unfaithful, essentially adulterous, then there is separation. But there is always reconciliation. And that was the room Christ was given. That, look, yes, I acknowledge that adultery is a very serious thing. Let them separate. But keep, stay, keep yourself. Because he specifically said that it was because of the hard-heartedness, stiff-neckedness of the Israelites that Moses had to say, look, before you people kill me, just divorce and, and go in peace. But he said originally it was not so. The room for reconciliation had always been there. Because not reconciling essentially says, I cannot forgive. And that's what Christ wanted to deal with. And I know this question is specific to adultery. But if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians 7 that the pastor read for us, um, Apostle Paul was dealing with a very serious issue in the, in the church at Corinth. Many people were getting born again, but they were still married to unbelievers. And so they wrote Paul that what do we do in these situations? So when you see someone that is an unbeliever, of course, that kind of person would womanize if it's a man, would drink, would do all sorts of things. And Apostle Paul had to write them to say, look, I know it's a very difficult situation you are in. If you would be okay with staying with the person, continue with the marriage. Who knows whether God will use you to convert the person. The same way God used somebody to bring you to Christ, stay in the marriage and God may use you. But he said, if you think this is too much of a burden, you can stay away from the marriage. I'm not compelling you to do that. But at no time did Apostle Paul say, don't give room for reconciliation. So that's what I would like to appeal. That yes, while that separation is there, God always uh, leaves room for reconciliation. That's why you will not find in the church where the church will say, I hereby join you together in the name of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the church will come back and say, I hereby separate you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All the church is doing is that what God has joined together, the church has no capacity to put asunder. The church can only promote reconciliation. But I will end by saying, like we said last Sunday, if you're in an abusive relationship, that's very instinctive. Don't stay there move away, don't get killed because you want to, to make things work. You can always move out and pray from a distance and restore from a distance. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much because I know these questions are not always easy questions to answer on the spot. Um, I, will ask, I will pivot a little bit and ask, but ask a question that captured a lot of the other ones that folks asked, which was, I think most people get married due to pressure. I'm a victim of this, and I feel this should be addressed. So I'm, th there were several questions along these lines. Where I was like, maybe they regretted the decision, or they don't feel like, or they feel they rushed into it, and now they're not happy with the situation, right? And, and they wanted it to be addressed. It's not directly related to abuse, but it was something that came up a bit, so I thought I would just ask it as well. So what was the end of the question? Um, they think it should be addressed. So what should they oh. do in that situation? I mean, the thing about it is we have to see where the pressure is coming from. I have a 28-year-old daughter, and in as much as I would love for her to be married, I don't even have that conversation with her like that. The conversation I have with her is, you know, preparing yourself and getting yourself ready for whenever that time is. But when we begin to do things, and I'm saying that from the perspective of a parent, mm -hmm. because sometimes as parents, we begin to look at our other friends or 
other people or even people some in the same, you know, our friends that are grandparents or whatever, and then it's very easy just to put the pressure on the child. Yes, sorry, it, let me just clarify. They're already in the, so yeah, they, they're already in Yeah, but what we do about it mm -hmm. is that we should be careful as parents, as friends or family or whatever, you know, not to just make them feel like something is wrong because they're not married or put that pressure. Even peers, you know, they see their friends getting married. Don't you think they know? They know that, you know, maybe I would like to be too. But to put that additional pressure on them will, number one, make them probably make the wrong choice. They'll just go with anything and say, well, I'm just going to go. Or they will see the red flags that we're talking about, maybe the anger, the slapping or whatever, and they'll just be like, well, it will be okay when I get married. And they'll see all these things, but they'll still go because of the pressure. Maybe they don't even love that person all the way and they're not even ready to make that sacrifice. But you know, peer pressure can be tough sometimes, or pressure from anywhere. It can be overwhelming to where people just say, well, I'm just going to do it and make it happen. And then eventually they find themselves in a marriage and they find out that I can't leave. It's not easy to leave, I should say. Or, or they're just there till death do us part and they're suffering and they're just miserable. So what we do about it is don't put pressure on anyone, regardless of what their age is. Thank you so much. So, I hear you, um, because I think you're talking from the perspective of being a parent, and, and it's good to change that you know, perspective now for the upcoming people that are going to get married. But I think the question really is, this woman is already married, and she felt pressured in, you know, to be married. You know? So in this situation, what do you... What would she do? I think I'm going to direct the question back to you guys. Um, so what would she do? Because she's already married. She just felt pressured and maybe she's not really feeling, in, feeling the marriage as much as she wants to. Or she doesn't feel like this is what she wanted to do. You know? um, so what, what advice, I guess, will you give that kind of a person? Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, It's almost like, you know, when, what would the righteous do? Well, <laughs> All right, so uh, what, what I would say to, to a family uh, who is in that situation is, uh, number one, you have to uh, commit your ways to God. Uh, because like Pastor said, uh, it, God or the church join you together in the presence of God, and so it is the expectation of God that you stay together uh, till death do you part. I mean, there are circumstances which has been discussed so many ways, that could lead to uh, a, a short separation. But it is the expectation of God that that stays uh, forever. Now, one of the things that uh, I want us all to know, and I believe we already understand as believers, is that the enemy always tries to come and to separate any form of union. And one of the things that the enemy does most especially is the union between husband and wife. The enemy hates unity in marriage. And so uh, it's important that you spend time to pray about your marriage while in it, and especially when you find yourself in situations like this, so that God will give you the wisdom it takes to be able to keep your marriage together. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18, now when you're in marriage, you are worrying, you know, to keep your marriage together. And the Bible says that plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. And so when you find yourself in that situation where 
it feels like you are in a battle, constant you know, argument, constant disagreement. You need to seek guidance, godly counsel, to be able to see yourself through this. So prayer and godly counsel is the only thing that can see you through situations like that. Amen. Thank, Thank you. So Thank you so much. So we're gonna um, we're gonna take a slight break now, um, so we can take menti questions. Um, so do we have menti questions or ready? I know. Yes, we do. Okay. Thank you. Can you ask one so, or two? So we have a lot of questions, um, and I was trying to create like a theme, and I think one of the themes that people are still asking for are explicit examples of what mental abuse looks like. So we have Could someone you, asking. Oh, we can baby. hear you. Oh, yeah. sorry, can you hear me now? No, we, um, we need you, the volume a little bit high. Is it better now? It's the same. Um, is it possible to have a volume for her a little bit? Okay, can you ask the question now, please? Okay, so what um, the theme that I'm seeing with the questions is that People are asking for explicit examples of what mental and verbal abuse looks like. So we have someone saying, my husband calls me a harlot. We have someone saying, um, my husband is bringing up trauma or my spouse is bringing up trauma. So can we get explicit examples of what mental abuse looks like? So what I heard was uh, give explicit examples of what mental abuse looks like. Is that correct? Yes. I can give a life example, okay? So um, when we got married, you know, last time I said we'd be almost 15 years this year. And when we got married initially, I mean, I was here in the States, you know, and I came in for school. And so my wife was back home in Ghana. And so uh, when, when, she, when she came over, uh, eventually, you know, I've been by myself, I, I know my budget, you know, and how I manage, you know, my finances, you know, and I was alone. I was traveling a lot, you know, so I wasn't spending most of my money, right? I mean, I get paid them and that's what I spend. I have a lot left. When they came in, I have to stop the traveling, you know, and so I can be with the family. So, you know, finances, everything, you know, it, it's a little bit lower, right? Um, and the way she has a, a, a a way of managing their finances back home, you know, will be different. It was different for mine. Um, and so what I realized was that, you know, she goes, she goes out, she can, she can make purchases uh, and, you know, I mean, for the house, okay? But she can do that about two or three times, you know, in a week. You know, I like to go in and buy the bulk and come in. So if I budget for 100 or 200, I go get it done and I come back. Now, I realized that when she came initially, that was an ongoing thing. And my approach in talking to her wasn't too appropriate, right? So eventually she, she realized, she, she was kind of wearing down on, on her self-esteem because she thought, okay, can I not do anything right? So there was one evening, I normally check my accounts every evening because I've had some, uh, <laughs> Not, not because of that, all right? <laughs> but, but because I've had some uh, 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 fraud, you know, uh, some, some... He still checks it every day. Okay, I see. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so 
All right. So, so, and I do that too. But, but you see, I explained to her why I do that. Because I had, you know, uh, 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 credit card fraud, you know, and so I had to check it even how much money, uh, what has been purchased, you know, and that kind of, okay. So coming back to the, my original point, one evening I had to, I call her in, I said, you bought this, I mean, this week, what did you buy here? You know, why that? Well, she kept quiet and then, uh, you know, so I kept doing my thing. Later on, when I went back to the room, she was weeping. And, uh, and it's coming back to, you know, this emotional thing, right? And uh, the self-esteem part, she said, well, you think even, you know, taking care of the house is a woman's job. That is the most important thing. And you think even that I can't do it. So you look at that, and that is the lowest, you know, place, you know, a woman can be. And so I step back, and I'm telling you what I did right now. I went upstairs. I had to spend time to pray. I came back, and I spoke to her. I said, this was not what I meant. And, I, and, I, and we went through, you know, the reason why I do that. Eventually, she understood. And, 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 and so she knew, okay, now I have to make maybe bulk purchases, you know, maybe for two weeks, but there are certain things, she made me understand, there are certain things like fruits, vegetables, those things, they can, you know, they can go back in three weeks, three days, and so that's the reason why I make those purchases. So mm -hmm. communication is important, but you also need to understand that you can get an individual inspired to that stage and you have to work together to resolve it. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, sorry, just for the sake of time, uh, something, some feedback we kept getting was that um, with regards to the question on someone who found themselves in a marriage that they didn't want to be in, they felt that, um, Rasha, if you could just provide some f more feedback on that. You know, for people, and I think generally, right, I, I saw this question a lot as well. For individuals that are in marriages that they... Pressure they felt pressure to be in, they regret being in, and they're not sure what to do. You know, what is the path forward on that? Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, I know we are running out of time. I'll just encourage you that there is nothing God cannot do. You are in that situation, that marriage. God can bring that sweet wine into the marriage, even as it is. And I'll give an example, even from the scriptures. Uh, if you recall the story of Jacob, it was, he wanted to marry Rachel, but they gave him Leah. And, uh, and the morning after, only God knows why I didn't notice the night before. But <laughs> the morning after, I said, ah, this wasn't what I uh, worked for seven years for. And he really didn't love Rachel. Uh, sorry, Leah. But God intervened, and Leah was the one that was bringing the children. And, and that may not necessarily be so applicable. I just wanted to share that to encourage people that there is nothing God cannot do. God can bring that, can turn that marriage into a testimony. And God is an, an expert in doing that. He knows you were pressured into it. But if you will allow him to take glory over your marriage, you can actually, your, you and your spouse can actually be sitting on this podium and be the ones to be encouraging other people that, well, I went into this marriage. It didn't look like I was going to make it. But one thing that is very important is you both need to stay close to God. One part of the scriptures I always love to recall was the encounter that Mary had with the angel. The angel went to Mary and said, Mary, I know you're a virgin. You'll get pregnant. You'll bring Jesus into the world. You'll be the Messiah. The whole thing was so complicated in Mary's view. And he said, how can this thing be? And the angel said, 
the Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. And that was the only way whatever seemed impossible could become possible. Because in the later verse, in Luke 137, the Bible says a popular verse that we always recite, with God, nothing shall be impossible. So the only person that I know can make all those challenging situations good is God. Because God can touch the heart of the man. Maybe you felt that we're pressured into it. The man doesn't love you anymore. And I, I can't recall anything like a personal experience to share with you and say, well, this was the way God transformed me from one bad way to the other. But one that came to my mind was the testimony of the general overseer of this mission. When he was much younger, he recalled a bully in their school. I don't know whether it was elementary school or high school. And the bully was always after everybody. And people were running away from, from the bully. At some point, he said, no, this has got to stop. So one day, he went to the bully and said, look, you are going to kill me today. You think I will run from you? I won't. So the bully beat the living daylight out of him. But he held on to the bully that, is that all you can do? Keep beating me. To the point where the bully said, look, if I don't run away from this guy, I'm going to commit murder. So the bully ran away. He shared another instance when his dad died. He said he was so stony-hearted that he couldn't cry. Tears just wouldn't come. He wanted to cry, but the tears would not come. So he had to take some saliva and put on it on in his eyes. That was as bad as it was in terms of being tough. But he said the moment he became a Christian, when he gave his life to Christ, that the choir would just be ministering and tears would be flowing in his ears. Praise he God. became meek, he became gentle. So God can transform anybody. Thank you so that much. That situation is not hopeless. God will do it for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, I guess to close, because we don't have, uh, we don't have run out of time. Um, so why it is, it's a very, very important to care for the victim and, you know, it's also crucial to provide help to the victimizer, right? To address internal personal issues like the, you know, the person that is abusing someone. So what, what advice would you give the person? I'll go to Minister Ayo for this one. <laughs> I just think that the abuser and the abusee both need help. Because sometimes we tend to just talk about the person that does the abusing as the victim, or, well, not the victim, as a bad person, or we talk about they were raised this, that, and the other. But the truth of the matter is they do need help. Maybe the, it obviously sounds, it obviously is a learned behavior. That's how they learn how to express their anger. It could be PTSD. It could be just a lot of things coming. I don't just think that, it, it, it's, I think that the woman or the man should be taken out of the environment for sure, number one. But I think help has to go both ways. In as much as the person being abused needs help, the other one needs help. The, actual, the one that actually does the abusing probably needs even more help. And I'm not saying that the other person doesn't need help. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying because that's, they've learned to do that. So you have to go deep down and number one, understand where that's coming from and see how to rehabilitate them. So the one that is being abused needs therapy, counseling, spiritual, and professional counseling, and we tend to just leave professional counseling out. Sometimes professional counseling is as important as spiritual counseling. But the person that has been doing the abusing for a long time actually needs rehabilitation. They need to be rehabilitated. Their mindset needs to change. Their actions need to change. There are a lot of things that need to change. So both of them definitely need help. So I'm going to Thank go you, to the ladies. Yes. Um, so. um, and I just wanted to add something. It just dropped in my mind. 
um, just as we were speaking, that we were at Sunday school this morning. And one of the key things that I recall hearing as Sunday school teacher, God bless him, is that after sanctification, because we're in the church, I know other people may be watching. It may not be a marriage of um, a Christian and a Christian, but I want to address the aspect of the marriage between Christians if we're having issues. And as Sunday school teacher said, how is Christ being formed in us? That kind of perspective was, you know, what I got from it. And I wanted to encourage that the bottom line is that we also should uh, check ourselves. How is Christ being formed in us daily? I would think about what would Christ do if he were in this situation. We say WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think that's something we should be checking on a regular basis. Either daily when you're going to bed or I don't know how often. But please, let's begin to check ourselves and begin to have Christ form in us, grow in us, so that all of these aspects of abuse can come to an end. Like we've said, there's nothing impossible with God. And if we say Christ is in us, then we should exhibit that. We should have respect for the feelings of other people. And I think that was what we talked about before marriage. And this is going out to the people listening who are not into marriage yet. Because I know many people will be like, our youngsters, why do we then go into marriage when there's, there are so many issues? I can tell you because I know somebody may have asked before or thought about it before that, can anyone give a testimony about how good their marriage is if they've had issues before? I am a testimony that I have never had any issue of abuse with my husband. And I know he has never had verbal, emotional, physical, financial. We can't go into all of that now because of our time. But situations are different. So before we leave and begin to react, let's look at our situations. Let's pray about them. Let's seek counsel in the right way. Because one size, like we have talked about today, may not fit all. But God is there who knows all of us, all of our situations. We need accountability with God. Let us always go back to him. Let us go back to the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us. Sometimes before I ask questions, relate with him or my children, I pray about it. What's the best words I should use that will not bring any aggression or any agitation of any sort? I think we need to begin to look at that as Christians, how well Christ is being developed in us Thank you so much. and how we can move on from there. If we respect the other person, love and honor the other person, we will not form or get into abuse as is now. I know that some of us have those issues from when we were young, but we can have those things resolved. It is not impossible with God. You if you so are in much. a bad situation, you can come out of it. Amen. I enjoy my marriage. I've enjoyed it Amen. from the beginning so to the glory of God. And I trust that God will continue to do that. But if you are in a situation, you don't give up. Please just keep praying. Seek counsel as required and trust God that things will change. And I trust him that you will come here to testify Amen. by the Amen. special Thank grace of so God. So Amen. Minister Abigail, do you have anything to say, like closing words or in this particular issue? One minute. So <laughs> what I want to say is that we shouldn't forget that... Um, in marriage, we have different temperaments and different backgrounds. 
So that also um, makes us see or view things in a different way. Um, I don't want us to focus on, even though verbal abuse and all those examples that we have, financial abuse and all that um, are there, the main focus was on the physical abuse. The verbal abuse, financial and all that, we can work it out. As they're saying, there's nothing impossible with God. Communication. Let's learn to communicate. When it comes to those uh, verbal abuse, financial abuse, if you feel that it's difficult, talk. The bottom line is communication. If you communicate, because sometimes it's a tone. I remember that when, we, when I, I, I got married with my husband, he tells me you don't respect, and my parents never told me I don't. So it was, it was difficult for me. And there's something I, I say, and I, I can say that thing to my dad, and everybody in my family will laugh. But my husband took it as, let's say he saw it as an abuse, because he was mentally, you know, he, it was getting to him. It was so hard, and I, I had to call my dad. My dad says, I'm not your husband. Learn to know who he is, and know the tone to use for him. Maybe he doesn't like those kind of jokes. He was mentally, he, he saw it as an abuse. <laughs> yes, because and he comes from work and it's just straight. He won't even say good evening. And he's like, what am I doing? You don't respect your tone. I'm like, ah. You know, so and financially and everything, it's just working at it. You know, we just, now he cracks those jokes and I'm like. <laughs> you know, the tables have turned around. So, so. So let's learn to know each other, know your partner's temperament, and know your partner's background, know your partner's weakness, and all this, you know, communicating and praying together will help us resolve these things that Amen. we call us. Amen. So we do have a um, number, like counseling numbers that you can call if you have any questions or any issue. And these are ministers of God, so please, um, apart from us, we are just movie producers. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but some ministers of God, you can always, you know, reach out to any one of them and you can call that number as well if you have any question or any issue, you know. Um, but I think we're going to close. Yeah, just, you know? just, just wanted to say that uh, we've talked about a lot about prayer. I want to uh, let you know that this church is a praying church and uh, there is a, a Thursday evening prayer session just for marriage couple. Uh, it's at 8.15. So every 8.15, the same prayer line that we use during uh, the morning prayer sessions, uh, we pray specifically for the married couple, and I pray that you will all join us so that together as a church we can pray for our marriages. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you so much for helping. Thank you for answering all the questions. I think, Pastor PK, you're going to pray for us? Okay. So I'd like us to bow our heads. We've spoken a lot today. I just want us to reconnect with God individually as we are seated. Pray for mercy that God, in any way you've done things without knowledge, in any way you've done things ignorantly, whether you are married or you are planning to get married, pray for mercy. Pray that the Lord will create in you a clean heart and renew the right spirit within you. And God will connect you to the way things should be. You know, Christ said in the beginning it was not so. So every wiring in our minds around divorce, around prenuptial agreements that, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to walk out. 
Let us pray that God will grant us the reorientation that we need this morning, that the Lord will retool us, retool our mindset to focus on the way heaven designed marriage. And let us pray for every home that is troubled at this time. We've agreed that with God nothing shall be impossible. That's from the word of God. Let us pray that the Lord in his mercy will prove to us in this age, in every home, in every marriage, that truly with him nothing shall be impossible. Every abusive husband, every abusive wife, let us pray that the Lord will touch them. The Lord will visit them. They will have that divine encounter with the Lord this morning and every day that God will reverse what seems to be irreversible. There are some marriages that are heading for collapse. There are some marriages that maybe the couple has already separated. Let us pray that the Lord will bring them together. That the God of possibilities, he will make all those impossible situations possible this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray that God will grant testimonies concerning those marriages, those difficult situations. And please, if you know of anyone, any couple that are going through a challenge at this time, you can also intercede on their behalf under this corporate anointing that God, the God of all possibilities, will reconcile them. And those who are aspiring to get married, let us pray for them that the Lord will guide them, that they will not take the wrong decisions in the mighty name of Jesus. And most importantly, let us pray that as a result of marriage, we will not miss heaven. That marriage will help us to fulfill destiny, not to destroy our destiny. Some people, they will have fulfilled destiny, but because they got married to the wrong person or they developed the wrong attitude in marriage. Let us pray that marriage will not work against us, but will work for us. That all the benefits of marriage will be maximized for every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answering us this morning. We pray that on account of all these prayer points, we shall return to rejoice. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for being a part of our message today. If you enjoyed the message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media. You can also jump on our website, www.dch.church, and click the given link to help us spread the word and the good news all over the world. Stay connected and God bless you. Have a great week.